From between the hedges at Sanford Stadium to the practice fields, from Stegman Coliseum and wherever else the Bulldogs are playing, it's time to talk Georgia sports. From the Athens Banner Herald, here are your hosts, Mark Weiser and Ryan Dennis. Welcome in. It's the Bulldogs Extra Podcast. Mark Weiser, UGA beat writer with Ryan Dennis, sports editor of the Banner Herald. Ryan, it is the second week in November. Georgia is going to Knoxville. Does that seem weird, or are you, are you over these old traditions? This is the first meeting between these teams in November since 1973. That is a long time ago. It does feel a little bit weird, you know, and I guess when you think about uh, flip-flopping Georgia and all, I mean, yeah, Auburn and uh, Tennessee and the in the schedule a little bit it uh it does seem a little bit a little bit strange but i mean i don't really think that much about it until somebody brings it up how about you traditions are uh going to be blown up with this uh, 12 team playoff that might be coming if uh you know, texas oklahoma join you know we might not see uh some of the teams uh, yeah. that you're used to seeing every year on the schedule and that's okay yeah I know Ryan is an advocate for getting rid of Georgia Tech on the schedule over here. No, no, don't don't get into all that. I, you know, I like the the Tech game after uh, Thanksgiving. Seems like it uh, should be should be there, and I, I hope it continues. But you know, who knows with uh, with conference expansion and all that stuff. But uh, I hope that one definitely uh, stays on the on the schedule. But is that a thing where they could bring it to the first game of the year at some point? What, what would what what would the traditionalists think of that? I mean, I, don't, I haven't heard. That's the first I've heard. You're, you're advocating something I, I was unaware of. <laughs> All right, we're going to talk what looks like the biggest remaining regular season game on the schedule because the other only other two are Charleston Southern and Georgia Tech. And uh, Tennessee, we're going to have Adam Sparks of the Knoxville News Sentinel joining us in a little bit to break down the uh, Vols under Josh Heupel in the first year. An impressive first year, I think. Ryan, uh, basketball season has begun. We're not going to talk about that quite yet. I know you were at the game on Tuesday night. Let's unfortunately talk about the biggest news really in the last week around the program and and since our last podcast, and that's Adam Anderson, um, the linebacker, outside linebacker, sack leader for Georgia. He is, uh, as we speak, he's uh, incarcerated, charged with felony rape. Um, You know, there was an investigation that the the incident was uh, the Friday before the Florida game. And, uh, you know, I think since we podcast last is when the uh, news broke, Um, you know, I wrote about the investigation that was going on with the athens Clark County Police Department, and then they went ahead and filed uh, the felony charge, and he turned himself in last night. Um, and his attorney, Steve Sadow, uh, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but he uh, maintains Adam is innocent. Uh, he's speaking for Adam, and uh, this happened in Athens' residence. So obviously a lot more important things regarding um, what's going on there than football, but from a football standpoint, we can talk about that afterwards. But obviously... Uh, He's still on the football team, according to Georgia. I mean, I got a statement last night that said it's a legal matter and, uh, you know, it's going to kind of play its course between that and the university equal opportunity 
office, uh, which looks at those matters on campus. Ryan, what do you got to say about it? Well, I mean, I, I guess I'm a little surprised that he is, you know, still on the team uh, for the time being. Um, you know, I was thinking it's a it's a bad news, good news situation. The bad news, obviously, the whole situation itself with the rape allegations, the charge, the you know everything, the 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 girl's life that has been impacted, and of course, uh, you know, Adam's uh, Adam's life has been impacted uh, greatly. The good news, I know, as you mentioned, for the football side is how deep Georgia is and how they won't be impacted. But uh, you hate to see this situation come out and you know impact uh young people's lives the way it has and uh i guess we'll watch it play out in the court system and go from there but uh really bad really bad uh, all around when you start getting into those types of matters i mean i'm not sure i agree with the standpoint that they won't be impacted i mean i don't know if they have a guy that, that does what he does um how he does it we'll get we'll get to that in, in a bit let me just read the statement i got from the iug athletics last night this was before I was about to turn in for the night. Uh, the Athletic Association has no additional comment as is as it is an ongoing legal and university disciplinary matter. Right. You were correct in that there could have been, um, you know, a dismissal. Yeah. Uh, which is what I believe happened pretty quickly after J.J. Holloman um, got arrested uh, back in the summer several years ago right? Um, on, on a different set of circumstances. His attorney said, Adam is innocent of the charge brought against him and intends to vigorously defend himself in court. He will seek release on bond. And, and as I saw last, there was no bond. Uh, um, he didn't have an opportunity to post bond, but you know, I, I think that can change. Getting back to the statement, once again, Adam hopes and prays that the UGA community and the public keep an open mind and afford him the presumption of innocence that the law demands. Uh, go to Online Athens uh, to read about you know, the circumstances behind the allegation uh, on that night. And, you know, as I read these statements from Georgia and his attorney, we don't have a statement from the female that has accused him of rape. Um, you know, she's uh, not, um, she's not listed in the police report. We wouldn't name her anyway. Right. And, uh, but, you know, just remember that there's a, another side of the story that is not getting out there because she is not putting out statements. Right. Exactly. And, uh that's why I think uh, you, you got to take a take a step back and just say, "Hey, we'll wait and see what what happens uh, in the legal system and, and let the process work itself out." Uh, at the front of the story, it looks you know doesn't look good, but we don't know what happened other than what she has told police and what was in that report. And um, again, all parties involved, it's uh, it's a bad situation. We can't know for sure, but it, I mean, I think it's fair to say we'd be surprised if Adam Anderson is a, is a member of the Georgia football team, certainly this season. Yes, absolutely. Um, but, but, you know, I'm not ruling anything out. I mean, I don't know if, if something would happen and charges would be dropped, but, right. you know, and and there's a, there's a, obviously a chance that his college football career at Georgia is going to be over. Maybe he would go somewhere else if he was not uh, convicted of this uh, crime. Um, but, you know, this is a guy that, is projected as a, a possible NFL first-round draft pick. So, um, you know, that's why when I say, uh, you know, when you're losing his skill set, and he's a guy that had led the team with five sacks this year, I think he had six and a half last year, um, you know, he brings some special talents off the edge that, uh, you know, Georgia just can't say, Robert Beal, you're the guy, you know, and maybe they can make adjustments and have Nolan Smith. Well, that's what I was going to say when talking to Nolan Smith yeah. after yeah. last weekend's game, that was the first question I asked him. And I uh, said, you know, what is, 
who take who takes up that slack who steps up into that position and while nolan you know it and somebody just comes off the bench and, and is thrown into action and hadn't played already this year there's more responsibility on him and that's what i was saying with the with the depth that georgia has they do have a nolan you know trayvon walker the, those types that can can take up that slack and, and you're not mm-hmm. missing much and obviously you know, with, with the way that Georgia rotates so often, you know, Adam could be in there one play in this series and, you know, five in the next, and then Nolan's doing the same thing and, and so on and so on. And, of course, you know, he will be – he'll be missed in that sense to, to provide more depth, but with the talent that they do have to, to fill in, uh, you, you don't miss too much, and that's what Kirby has built over time with recruiting. Yeah, but those are guys that are already getting a lot of snaps and on the field. I guess my point is that, you know, unless you see an MJ Sherman or someone emerge that, yeah. that, that that we haven't yet, you know, Trayvon Walker uh, is a guy that, that, you know, you could see. I mean, this is really on Dan Lanning and Kirby Smart and Will Muschamp to scheme it up and, and take advantage of the talent they have, you know, without Adam. Mm. So, I mean, remember, Adam Anderson's the kind of guy that Kirby was talking in the spring you know that there could be some packages where he could you know play the the, the nickel star position because you know he, he has a different kind of height and weight and frame that you know that was a possibility you remind you of a lot of sorry um leonard floyd right sure. you see leonard sure. running down the field with a with a running back or right. even a receiver sometimes. right right so all right well i'm, I'm sure that we'll um, we'll talk about the adam anderson situation as events warrant uh, as this you know goes through the uh, legal system and, and we'll see how um, you know, how that unfolds, I guess. Um, meanwhile, Georgia won a, another football game very convincingly last week against Missouri. And they didn't play good at all, if you asked them, right? That was a subpar performance and a 37-point win. 43-6 to six was the final score. And I saw it. I don't even know what, what account, but apparently there's some Twitter account out there that tweeted out. That that was the first forty three to score forty three to six score in the history of the SEC. Score got me. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, Are you yeah, familiar yeah. with that? Uh, I've seen it. On is the that NFL. an SEC account or just? The... I didn't see that, but I you know you see in the NFL there's oh. a thing called the score got me where okay. they they keep up with that type. Of w- stuff. Was not familiar with that that uh, <laughs> person's work. Um, yeah, I mean you know they didn't cover like you know when you talk about. I, mean, I don't think Kirby was was upset that they didn't uh, meet the Vegas number or whatever, but uh, they didn't meet their own standard. Um, you know, if if you think about it, I mean, it's just another. Just look at the the scores from uh, just from the last. You know, going back to October, thirty seven nothing, thirty four ten, thirty thirteen, thirty four seven, forty three six. I mean. It's, These are not close games. No, and I mean, when you look at what the defense has done, I think I saw something where it was uh, the fewest points allowed since the 93 FSU team through this point in the season. And FSU, of course, went on and, and won a national championship. I mean, when you got a defense like this, you know, when the other team can't score, it's uh, it's hard to, hard to lose when you're not giving up any points. So, you know, that's just been just so uh, exciting to watch and, and impressive to watch is how this defense is just shutting people down. Missouri got some had some success running the quarterbacks. Uh, you know, Tyler Macon, Brady Cook. Is it Cook? Yeah, Brady Cook. They both – and Cook was a guy that really had a reputation as just being more of a kind of a dropback type dude, but he ran as well. Um, but Stetson Bennett, 13 of 19, 255 yards, two touchdowns. Um, and, you know, the interesting wrinkle, of course, is that JT Daniels kind of reappeared 
and uh, got, I think it was three offensive series, played the rest of the game after the 11-minute mark of the third quarter. What were your impressions of him? He had a touchdown, he had an interception, and, uh, you know, he was back uh, under center. Would you say rusty would be the uh, the right word? I don't, I don't know if I would say rusty. I mean, you know, he didn't have... I mean, no eye If you told me before the season that JT Daniels would be hanging in an awful lot to like Dejon Edwards, I didn't. You know, he just right. didn't have the right. the normal. Well, he threw an interception, you yeah, know, and uh, behind, when he had a touchdown pass. Behind to was Jermaine Lamb. Burton, right? I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. I was I was writing about Mark Richt at the time, but uh, yeah, it was one of those things where uh, I mean, what do you expect a guy to come in there and I mean, he's not going to and in that situation too with the with the game so out of hand, he's not going to be five-step dropping and hitting uh, the top receivers mm-hmm. in the game. So, uh, you know, it's 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 one of those things where, you know, uh, it kind of reminds you of when Stetson came in, uh, you know, late in the game earlier in the year. Um, you know, it, it's a tough situation for those types of quarterbacks to, to come in off the bench. You've been kind of sitting around all day, and, and it's in a meaningless point of the game, really. So, uh, you know, that doesn't mean that he's not your guy. I don't want to take it there, but – uh, you know, it, he he didn't look like the five star that that you know started the year for Georgia. Well, I mean, when you come in the game and it's thirty exactly meaningless six, you know, or something uh-huh. like that. Um, Stetson Bennett is a semifinalist, one of twenty for the Davy O'Brien Award for top quarterback in the nation, which is a position that uh, JT Daniels was on the preseason watch list. Obviously, Stetson Bennett wasn't even. Uh, anywhere on the radar. Um, he's third in the nation now in passing efficiency, Stetson Bennett. He now has enough passes to qualify um, for that. I think he needed 15 per game. An interesting quote from Greg McElroy during the broadcast, uh, which was that Stetson will remain the starter, which is obvious, uh, until, quote, Kirby Smart feels as though they need to get into a throw-a-thon. Oof. So, uh, you know, I think the uh, 19 passes uh, attempts in this game against Missouri might have been the season high for Stetson. Um, what you know, Tennessee is a team that puts up a lot of points. Uh, I'm not saying this could be the week that, that Georgia might need to get into a throwathon, or if it would be Alabama, or if it would be uh, Ohio State uh, in the playoff. I mean, you know, is that kind of? I mean, I think if Stetson had, um, what's the game that? Was it Florida that he had the, the two interceptions? Yeah, bad, bad, bad interceptions too. Yeah. Right. So if he if that happens again, I mean, is JT going to get the call? Yeah, I mean, I think that's why you're starting to see him get back into action a little bit more. It seems like, uh, I mean, I'm not so sure that this Tennessee game is going to be uh, one that a so-called throwathon. I mean. I feel like Georgia. Uh, Did you see the forty-five to forty-two score the other day? Well, well, yeah, but Tennessee? I mean that wasn't against Georgia's defense either, no, was it? it? Wasn't. And, and uh, you know, I, I feel like if you're going against an offense like that, you're going to want to control the ball more. You know, give it to your horses in the back in the backfield. You know, and keep running your offense. So it it feels like they're they're easing JT back into games where if you need him for the Alabama throwathon, you know, in the SEC championship. I mean, is that where he comes in? Uh, you know, and again, what a phenomenon that Georgia has this year. I mean, you have Stetson, who everybody's calling for his head, and he's one of the top 20 quarterbacks in the country. He's really done nothing except for those two throws against Florida that were, were very, very ugly, uh, that went for interceptions, that it, it would anybody would have a debate about, you know, pulling pulling Stetson out. So. Uh, well, know. I mean, unless unless you are convinced that his ceiling is what it is and that I, yeah. JT has a higher ceiling. And that's true. I mean, most likely is. But when you're, you know, when you're an offense, <clears throat> excuse me, especially with this Georgia defense the way it is, I mean, 
what you you might have it right there. I don't know about Georgia's scoring. I mean, they're they're up there in scoring too. It's not like they're not putting up points. So uh, I, I don't see any need to to throw JT in there unnecessarily if Sesson's getting the job done, and he has been so far this year. Uh, no, I was wrong about um, Bennett. 21 passes against Auburn, 20 against Kentucky, and then the 19 against Missouri was the same as Florida. Uh, so it's just that he, he probably, whatever the average was, it, it finally reached the 15 uh, number needed uh, per game. Um, look, it's going to be interesting to me. Uh, I don't know if you think JT Daniels is going to the NFL after this year. I think before the season, yeah, uh, that was the I, I expectation. Don't. So, you know, Stetson Bennett has another year of eligibility, I believe, uh, at Georgia as well. I, I mean, do you see a scenario where both these guys are back next year and one of them is content to be the backup? Oof. I, I do see both of them back next year. But, but do you, so you think – but you don't but, think – that's what I'm saying. You don't I, think one would hit the transfer portal and go somewhere they could, they could start? I mean, to me, Stetson has done everything that he could have ever dreamed of at yeah. the University of Georgia. So if they were both to come back, I mean, I think Stetson – I mean, he slides back into a, into a possible backup role. Like he would be the most likely to. All these quarterbacks on the roster are not and sticking got, around. Somebody, and you some, got. I mean, is Carson leaving? Is is Brock Is the guy from coming in from North Georgia? Gunner Stockton. I mean, is he gonna? I, I feel like he'd be the one that would you know come in and yeah. and feel fine at the start. But you know, you you'd start looking at Brock Vandergriff and and you know, is he is he not happy? You know, he expected I'm sure to come in. You know, he had a knee issue, so I'm sure they thought that this would be a healing season and then he'd be the guy next year. Look, these guys might believe in themselves in that if if anybody gets in a, a groove from uh, Alabama to a semifinal to a national championship and they could just go to the NFL. Like, I yeah. mean, it could be either of them. Yeah, I know. And this is the problem I, I feel like I've talked about on numerous podcasts. When is too many five-star quarterbacks? I mean, well, Stetson's is not a five-star. Yeah, well, yeah, you're right. You're yeah. right. But that's the yeah. that's the unique situation that that, Pretz, uh, that Stetson has presented to this uh, this team. And I mean, he's played well. Let's don't lose sight of that. It's not like they're just throwing him in because they have to. All right, we uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the Missouri game. We'll come back with some picks after on the other side. Uh, and we'll also talk basketball. After, let's talk uh, Tennessee-Georgia now with uh, Adam Sparks, or as I like to say, Georgia-Tennessee. <laughs> Here we go. All right, joining us now to talk the uh, Georgia-Tennessee game Saturday, 3.30 on CBS, is Adam Sparks of the Knoxville News Sentinel. Also find his work in the Tennessean. Adam, thanks for joining us. Yeah, hey, good to be on. How are we doing? Doing well. Doing well. Uh, year one of Josh Heupel on Rocky Top. My question is, how? what is your perception of how the hire was received before the game started, and how is it received now? Um, Josh Heupel was sort of a, a little bit of a shoulder shrug, I think, when he when he was hired. You know, you knew you were getting offense. Um, I think you would have been accepted a little more if Danny White did not make the hire, Danny White is the new AD or the first-year AD at UT. He was uh, Heupel's AD at UCF. So essentially you hired an AD to then hire the guy away that he already had at UCF. <laughs> so it, it, it looked, you know, just, just knee-jerk reaction, it looked uh, like he was settling or, or lazy. Um, but since then, uh, I mean, the perception of that has changed. Um you know, I mean, you knew you were getting great offense, which is what they have. You knew you were getting a guy that could develop and coach quarterbacks. That's turned out real well with Hendon Hooker. 
Um, and, you know, I mean, UT is 5-4. and four. This is kind of where I thought they would be. I predicted they'd be 7-5 and five this season, and, and that looks like where they'll probably end up this year. But it's been a better 5-4 and four projected 7-5 and five than I think you could hope for because they started sluggish once they figured out their quarterback. They've been pretty good, and of the four losses that – that they've had, you play those now. They they probably beat Florida. They may beat Pitt. They'd have a maybe a little better chance against Ole Miss. So this is a better team than their record, and you can't always say that for a first year coach. I was going to ask you about Hendon Hooker. Obviously, I think he came in from Virginia Tech and has been beat up some this year. First off, you know how's his health and uh, what has he provided, and how much has Josh Heupel really boosted him uh, to be kind of uh, maybe a better quarterback than some expected. Yeah, I mean, the funny thing with Hooker is that he was not chosen on the front end. Uh, when Josh Hoppel came in, he inherited some quarterbacks, uh, gave him a look in the spring and thought, well, I, I needed another option. So he went and got Joe Milton from Michigan in the transfer portal. So that tells you that he didn't really believe Hendon Hooker was for sure the guy. Uh, Hooker took over in the uh, because of an injury in the uh, the second game of the season and has had the job since then. He's, uh, what, I think uh, fourth in the – in the country right now, right around Stetson Bennett. I think Stetson Bennett's third passer rating, Hooker's fourth. Um, th- there's, the transfer portal is for guys like Hendon Hooker. Um, he started 15 games at Virginia Tech. He was serviceable there. Uh, he was okay, but uh, was not going to have the job this year. Needed to change the scenery. Needed maybe a little different look on offense. Uh, and he got it at UT, and he's, well, he's really, really used it. Um, and he's a guy that you know, you can tell he's played a lot. Um, you know, again, 15 starts at Virginia Tech. There's something about a guy that's played a lot that doesn't translate in practice as much, I think, as it does on Saturday. He's got toughness. He knows what to do with the, with the, with the ball. He knows when to tuck it and go. He knows when to throw it away. He makes really, really good decisions. Has one of the best touchdown-to-interception ratios in, in the country. And, and and you just sort of see that this is a guy that is not learning the game. He understands the game. And that's what Josh Hopple needs. And uh, Hannon Hooker is probably the biggest reason right now that, that that Tennessee can play at a top 25 level despite not having that ranking. Tennessee obviously is uh, putting up a lot of points with their fast-paced offense and, um, you know, very explosive. Uh, Georgia doesn't give up a lot of points, uh, less than seven a game. What's your sense of how this plays out with uh, this, uh, uh, you know, playmaking offense against this shutdown defense? How many points does Tennessee score? Do they break 13? Nobody has against Georgia this year. Yeah, I think they do, and and that's funny. That's I I guess you guys know better than I do that. uh, You know, each week with Georgia, it's not if they win. (laughs) Is anybody going to break that 14 or 13 point barrier? Uh, yeah, I think they do. I think this is somewhat a popular opinion this week, and, and I'm going to kind of go with the flow that I think Tennessee's offense uh, is schemed well enough that they're going to figure out how to get at least two or three touchdowns. Um, I think they do get past that, that barrier. Um, I think I picked this game something like 42-24. Uh, I, I think Georgia obviously wins. I think Tennessee covers. I think Tennessee's the first team to get in, into the 214 and even in the 20s. Um, you know, t- Tennessee's offense, yeah, it's the good and bad of this type of offense. They're the fastest uh, offense in the country in terms of just plays per minute, almost three plays per minute. 
um, sometimes it's three and out, and sometimes that's score in 11 seconds, which is what they did against Kentucky last week. Um, you know, against Kentucky last week, they win that game 45-42, and the time of possession was like, uh, I think it was like 46 minutes to, to 13-plus minutes. Now imagine scoring 45 points and winning an SEC game on the road, and you have the ball for just over 13 minutes. And, again, that wasn't necessarily because they had a lot of three and outs. That's because they would score on the first play. They scored again on the fourth play. Uh, most of their most of their touchdown drives this year are like a minute and a half. So, you know, when you have that type of offense that can go that quick and find some way to score quickly, I think a couple of those hit against Georgia. Again, not a ton of them, but a couple of them are going to hit early, late, somewhere in there. And so I, I think they will score – I think, yeah, I think Georgia's just got too much talent and too much playmaking ability on defense um, that Tennessee will not be able to keep pace. And they'll have more three and outs than they will, uh, you know, uh, one-minute scoring drives. But still, I, I do think UT has an offense that is better than what Georgia's seen so far. Adam, what's the mood right now <clears throat> Excuse me, on Rocky Top? I mean, obviously a lot of heartbreak uh, from Greg Sianu going back to Lane Kiffin and – Derek Dooley. Greg Schiano, he didn't coach there. Yeah, exactly. He, he's almost, he almost did. Almost coached <laughs> there. But obviously, uh, you kind of mentioned it, uh, I think, on the first question with Josh Heupel. It seems like the mood is changing. Or, or is, there, is there some uh, positive uh, vibes around there? Are people feeling uh, more confident in the program right now? Yeah. You know, there's, there's always these segments in the UT fan base that there's the – usually there's the, you know, overhyped hyperbole – um, a type of uh, se- segment of the fan base that once a coach wins eight games, you assume they're going to be in the college football playoff within you know a year. Um, you know this this, this sort of ju- jump to a conclusion that this guy is the right coach and this quarterback is the right guy and all these sort of things. I think that's that's diminished some over the coaching carousel that they've had over the past few years. I think there's more of a cautious optimism. So, you know, they were certain Lane Kiffin was the guy, and we never found out because he left. Uh, some people started to believe in Derek Dooley a little bit because he went to a bowl the first year. That obviously didn't didn't uh, didn't happen. Uh, Butch Jones won nine games in his third year and in his fourth year, but, hey, he should have won the SEC title by then. And once he didn't, things fell apart. And then Jeremy Pruitt had a little bit somewhere in between. Uh, I guess I say all that to say this is that, People like what they see at a Josh Hopple. And you can see this turning into something where they can be right under Georgia in, let's say, year three if everything goes right. But I think there's also enough of a segment to say just because UT wins seven this year doesn't mean they can't step back and win five or six next year. Don't don't assume that's going to go to nine wins the next year and then 11 and then get to Atlanta. So. It's good, but I think people are sort of like wait and see. And also there's an NCAA investigation that's wrapping up, and there could be some restrictions. There could be some uh, some probation coming. Josh Hopple is a, as good of a play caller schematically as there is in the country, but he's never been known for recruiting. So you can coach all you want, and you can get guys in the transfer portal, which is what they did, and they've done pretty well with them, but – if you're getting a recruiting class that's outside the top 25, which is where they're at right now, 
um, you're, you're not going to win in this league. So people are holding their breath on that a little bit. Adam, Tennessee is one of the rare spots, I think, in the SEC where you actually get a chance to speak to assistant coaches, I think, on a weekly basis. Uh, three former Georgia assistants are on the staff there under Hypo, Rodney Gardner, Willie Martinez, Mike Eckler. Just curious your impressions of them uh, from your interactions and kind of uh, their at least uh, you know Rodney and Willie have uh, been around the block in the SEC and uh, both are actually making return stops on the uh, Tennessee staff. Yeah, the 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 MO, the reputation of Hypo staff staff is uh, nice guys, pretty positive. The players always just say, you know, it's great that we're not cussed out every day, and that's obviously <laughs> a shot at Jeremy Pruitt. Um, but but they always say, not the cussed out part, but they always say these guys are super positive. Well, I mean, Rodney Gardner's not always positive. <laughs> but, and, and, and that's just sort of a weak link that Rodney Gardner, is, he's, the, he's the hardened guy on the staff. He, he, he will get after guys, and his, his guys have been perfectly fine with that, and they performed uh, well-respected. Rodney Gardner, I mean, a big reason they wanted him is he's got a track record of producing uh, NFL-caliber guys, uh, draftable guys. Um, he could recruit really well. Again, they, they need assistance on the staff to recruit because Hypo has never been necessarily known for that. Mike Eckler is crazy, and crazy's good when you have a new staff and sure. you need new energy. And he, he, you know, he, he fills that bill and then some. Um, and uh, Willie Martinez has been here, uh, yeah, this is his second go around here. There's a sense of stability because he kind of knows what he's doing. He, he, he knew some of the players already. Um, and they've, you know, they, they've got a secondary that's performed pretty well. He fits in with his staff so well in terms of their scheme, and they didn't have a lot of experience, a lot of proven guys in defense. They did have some of them in the secondary, and he's coached up, I can think of at least three guys in their secondary that are having career years, guys that have been around here a long time, Theo Jackson, Alante Taylor, and so on, that were fine before he got here. But they're they're really good and they're all conference caliber players in the year that he got here. So that that speaks to something. All right, Adam. Now the question everybody wants to uh, to know: Did you see the French's mustard uh, bottle fly out of the crowd, or the <laughs> or the golf ball? And uh, what was that fiasco like to uh, witness in person? Well, I'll have to say I'm, I'm not a fan of any team, and I've been on this beat long. My wife is a UT fan; has been her whole life, um, and she was in the stands in the upper deck. Right where, right above where the student section is, and my daughter was in the student section there. So where, where you see all that stuff flying out, I had I actually had four, five family members right over there. I had to tell them when I got home. You know, guys, listen, there's, there's fo- we have photos of all this. So if you threw anything, tell me now so I can go delete the photos out of the system. <laughs> <laughs> but you know the uh, the French is mustard. You know there was a there was a. You know, questions of that. Where do you get a bottle of mustard? I will say again, knowing because I had family members in there. When you have the pull down things, the the pumps that get you condiments in Neyland Stadium on the bottom level. But my understanding, my sources tell me the top level there, you actually just have bottles of ketchup and mustard. Somebody just grabbed one out of the the hot dog stand and threw it. it is a little odd that I'm told this within my household of where a mustard <laughs> bottle could be found, and that they did see one, <laughs> and and that they did see it thrown, uh, but there's no photo evidence, so 
So I, I, that's you, as far you, as I you have deleted. You have deleted all the evidence, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. But I mean, in all seriousness, it it was an ugly scene. Um, the take from the UT fan base generally has been that's despicable. We can't believe our people did that. But you're not allowed to criticize it because you're not a fan, and that's what you'll get. That, that, that's what you'll get from the fan base. And I will say it was. It was probably one or two percent of the crowd, but when you have a hundred thousand people, one percent's a thousand people, and a thousand people throwing crap on a football field is a thousand people too many. And so um, they don't like that mentioned uh, in Knoxville, but it happened, and it was embarrassing, and, and they need to not ever do that again. Adam, I guess we'll get you out. Uh, we're not going to ask you uh, for the score because I guess you already gave that, but. How does Tennessee like get this thing in the fourth quarter to, you know, where they got a shot to to pull a major upset? Well, I mean, they, they got to score really early. Um, I mean, I guess that goes for any game, especially Georgia games. But uh, Tennessee has has. I mean, their their scoring differential in the first quarter is pretty close to what Georgia's is. They get on people quickly, and they've had a lot of games this year where. You know, they they're it's it's twenty one to three before you you sit down. Um, so they've got to do that. They've got to get in the end zone in their first two or three drives, and they probably need to get two scores in the first half. And if you do that, you're telling Georgia this is not what you're used to. We're going to score, and we're going to keep scoring, and this is not going to be a game where you hold a team to six points and then the game's over at halftime. That's what they have to do. They have to put on the pressure. And they have to do that on both sides of the ball. They, they they have a fast, fast offense that will pressure a defense, and they have a pressure defense that will take risks. I think they're probably going to have to take more risks in this game um, than than they usually do. One way to get your defense off the field is to get stop on stops on third downs. They have not done that. I don't think they'll do that in this game. Another way is just blitz, take risk. If you give up scores, that's fine. You're giving the ball back to your own offense. And so if this turns into a shootout, it benefits Tennessee, and I think they would prefer that. All right, we thank Adam Sparks of the Knoxville News Sentinel for joining us. Ryan, before we uh, you break down the uh, Bulldogs uh, men's basketball team, mm. Uh, game that you saw the other night. By the way, the women, the uh, top twenty women, at least yeah. I think, in the in co- one of the polls, is it yeah. coaches yeah. poll, I think, open tonight at home against Gardner Webb. Maybe I think it might be. Yeah, Ryan, uh, Jermaine Burton, Arian Smith, uh, both made their impact as they come back from these injuries. Arian Smith can take the top off an all, a defense, and uh, Jermaine Burton uh, looks like a little bit like he did last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a touchdown, also had a. Would be touchdown yeah, that was at down one, at the one yeah. yard line. Um, how big a difference can these guys be? And also, George Pickens is doing some scout team work. Mm. When's he coming back? Georgia Tech, uh, Alabama. Man, I don't know. I, it just it still seems so fast. Maybe they get him in the SEC championship game. You know, you, you sneak him in there. But I mean, how how's a guy coming back uh, gonna gonna you know really do uh, you know being what seven months, eight months uh, after a knee? I've injury. seen him in person on the practice field. Yeah, it's been in, I guess it was last week because it was closed this week. Mm-hmm. 
dude, dude can do it. I think. Okay. Well, good. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't be, think they're going to ask him. To, to I don't think they're going to ask him to be, you know, forty snap guy. I mean, well, who was that last year? Jalen Waddle for the Alabama. I mean, he was. He, he, had, he uh, didn't look that good. Did he? Exactly. I mean, he, he made a couple catches in the national championship game, but yeah. uh, you know, how healthy can George be? To answer your original question, though, I mean, you got speedsters like Burton and Arian Smith coming in there. Arian Smith, the uh, what was he like eighth in the SEC uh, or, or nation mm-hmm. in the one hundred meter? I mean, that's a guy on that touchdown pass uh, in the corner, uh, a dime by Setson, by the way, right into his hand. I mean, he just ran by the guy and was wide open, and that was uh, good to see. That's what you know, Georgia Georgia needs that, and you add that to what Lad McConkey, Brock Bowers are already providing. This could, it could get dangerous. Mark Rick was back in Sanford Stadium on yes, Saturday. He was. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of fanfare ahead of time and then the halftime ceremony with, uh, you know, Rick also took part in, uh, he did the pregame video, we shot it ahead of time, um, you know, got emotional on the field, uh, you know, as he kissed his wife, got a hug from Josh Brooks. Ryan, you, you had a chance to speak to him on the field, yeah. as I guess worse, he came off the field. Um, what did you think of the ceremony and the in the honors for him? Yeah, it was very nice. I mean, it was uh, well deserved for for him, and uh, I think the 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 best thing was just all the former captains. You know, down there on the sideline, I talked to Brandon Boykin and Rennie Curran, and uh, you know, uh, Tim Wansley was there. You remember Tim Wansley from back in the day? Uh, trying to go through a uh, John Stinchcomb. I mean, there was just so many players that came back because they love Mark Rick the person. And, uh, you know, to see him get emotional and thought it was funny afterwards as we walked off, I said, it looked like you were uh, tearing up a little. He said, yeah, that's why I wore these sunglasses because I knew that was going to happen. And, uh, you know, he's just such a great guy. And, and, and you know, it does, uh, you know, the Parkinson's that he's been diagnosed with, you could tell it's uh, impacting his life some. Uh, but, you know, he still just seems like a strong man who, uh, you know, was moved so much by all of his, his former players coming back and, you know, the crowd, uh, one of the loudest cheers of the of the day was uh, a couple times was when he was introduced and during the halftime show. So, uh, you know, there's not a better not a better human being on this planet than, than Mark Rick. And I think the crowd knows that and appreciates that and uh, appreciates his 15 years as the head coach. One of Mark Rick's recruits got back in uh, a Georgia football game, Julian Rochester, who, uh, you know, I think he signed under Kirby, but was committed and um, kind of, you know, Rick, Rick's staff uh, kind of helped line him up. He was one of the big, big time recruits that year. Mm-hmm. So he got in in the, uh, I guess, the second, third quarter. Um, I think we'll see a lot of a guy like that against Charleston Southern next week when, you know, are you going to sit out everybody that's notable? Or, yeah, well, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what that's going to look like. It might be a, yeah, Brock, be a lot of rotating. It might be a Brock Vandegrift game. Yeah, late, definitely. Yeah. Keep that red shirt. Uh, uh, and Broderick Jones played the whole way at left tackle. Jamari Salyer, Kirby says, uh, you know, is not, you know, going through practice, but is uh, better and uh, sounds like if they want to, um, he has enough experience, they could just plug him in there similar to like an ankle injury he had this year where there was some uncertainty and then he came back and started. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that's some gamesmanship. I mean, I, I think Jones would be the guy, um, you know, keeps get, let's sell your get as good as possible. You know, maybe bring him back against Georgia Tech. I don't know. So we'll see how that plays out. See if they need him. I mean, if maybe right. he's just available to go. Right, yeah, I saw him uh, on the field with uh, kind of a boot on and some crutches, but uh, I guess he's he'll be he'll be back. Ryan, Georgia basketball team is one zero. They're going to Cincinnati on Saturday. Mm. Um, double digit win against FIU, Florida International. No. Didn't really feel like a double digit. It win, wasn't did. a double digit. Oh, was it it's nine points? Uh, it was oh, seven point seven. It was double digits. They hit, they hit a, a three, three at the end. Yeah. yeah. All right. 
Well, it was almost. It a didn't feel like double digits. No. Georgia trailed uh, in in the second half, right? <laughs> yeah, they didn't take the lead for good until seven something left in the game. Yeah. They trailed for much of the second half. Uh, you know, it was uh, a group looking like a group that hadn't played much together, and uh, they. You know, they, they, they had some athletes. You could see it out there. Uh, it was sloppy at times, but, um, you know, Aaron Cook, I think, gives them a little bit of hope. Uh, you know, Kendo was uh, very athletic, uh, and Bridges in the inside was, uh, you know, actually a, a bright spot as well. But, you know, they, they did a good job in the second half of limiting the turnovers. Maybe that was the chemistry they, they kind of gained uh, working together in the – you know, in that season opener. But uh, this isn't a team that's going to do much uh, right now, as I can tell. And, um, you know, going to Cincinnati will probably be uh, give us a good look at what to expect. And I, I don't expect much, to be honest with you. I hate to say that. But um, just uh, a group of guys that, you know, it's the nature of the beast these days where, you got you know, you have to, players transfer out. You got to bring more in and, and pretty much just give your whole team a facelift. So, it wasn't, it wasn't pretty the other night, and, uh, you know, FIU is not that great a team. But, uh, you know, Georgia only led for 14 minutes, I think, of the entire game. So, uh, yeah, they got a lot to work on. Before we uh, make our picks, uh, hey, Georgia fired a soccer coach or just let his contract run out, however you want to term it. Billy Lassane uh, is no longer the coach of the uh, yeah. soccer program. They'll be looking for a new one. Josh Brooks, uh, this is the third head coach uh, in Josh Brooks's tenure who started in January as promoted. Uh, they, you know, Petros uh, Cipriano uh, decided uh, he was leaving because he didn't get the facilities he wanted. Lou Harris-Champer, after the Women's College World Series, they announced that she was retiring and her, her, Tony Baldwin was promoted. Uh, and now uh, there's a soccer opening, uh, so Josh Brooks is uh, not afraid to, to pull a trigger. Well, and obviously Josh Brooks, uh, you know, obviously he's a big track guy with his, with his kids running track and all, so he went out and made a splash hire there. You know, will he bring in uh, somebody pretty big? You know, you think of the North Carolinas of the world or whatever. Does he go get you know, an assistant from there or, you know? Uh, I don't know much about women's soccer well, the, and, and, and the coach they just let go was an assistant at Duke, so that's kind of in the same yeah, research you're right, you're so. right, you're right. <laughs> that did, that didn't work out like they wanted. Um, that's true. All right, let's make our picks. Uh, Ryan, congratulations on a Thank much you. better week. I had a disaster of a week. I'm embarrassed to announce what I what I uh, I, I got uh, on our picks. What was your numbers? Well, I was eight and six. I had a, how I had do you a, have fourteen? I have thirteen. <laughs> I, I triple counted them. Maybe you're right. I don't know. I did put MSU down twice. One is Mississippi State. One is Michigan State. So maybe I. I don't know how you screwed that up. I'm pretty sure there's 14. Go back and count. All right. Well, then I went either four and ten or three and ten. I did terrible. Uh, I'm like 62 and 70 on the year. Don't even tell me because your numbers will be like a lot different than mine. Yeah, I, I stopped counting once I figured out I was like eight eight off from me. All right. All right. Here we go. Cincinnati's at South Florida. Uh, the Bearcats are still hoping to get into that top four of the college football playoff. By the way, did we mention Georgia's number one? It's kind of like not a new, I mean, yeah, not surprising. back page news. Bearcats are favored by 23 and a half points. And uh, I'm going to take South Florida. That's a big number. And uh, Cincinnati seems to scuffle around a lot. Yeah, I mean, what they, <clears throat> they had game day on site and only beat Tulsa by six the other day or so. So I'm not, I'm not feeling the Cincinnati love. I'm with you on South Florida at least covering 23 and a half. UConn is at Clemson now. I, I just saw as we uh, record this podcast that uh, Jim Mora is being uh, linked to the uh, as the next hire for UConn, which is uh, 
interesting. Where was that UMass? I think Joe Moore Jr.? Yeah, the former Falcons coach. Wait, did I get that wrong? Is it UConn? It is UConn. For a second, I was thinking it was UMass. I think they have an opening, too. Uh, Tigers are favored by 40 and a half points. Holy moly. That's a big number. I'm taking UConn. <laughs> Uh, yeah, did you see? I got sent uh, tickets, or not tickets, but the ticket prices to that. No, why would I get sent that? I, I just want to know if you saw it. How, how much were they? Seven bucks. Was this for, this is not from the official Clemson? Like, uh, yeah, I think it was the secondary market. Oh, secondary uh, market. But, I mean, still, that is... Yeah, give me UConn to cover 40 and a half. I mean, that's like Georgia Mizzou last week, right? I mean, that's a lot of points no matter who's playing. I mean... If I want to enjoy a nice day over in Death Valley, I might do it for seven dollars. Seven bucks. You maybe, know that area well. Maybe. All right. New Mexico State is at Alabama. Speaking of a big number, hmm. the Alabama Crimson Tide are favored by fifty-one and a half points. Ryan, what are you doing in that game? Yeah, isn't this always the game where you know Alabama wins by what forty-eight and Saban's never happy and hates the crowd and the student section sucks and all that stuff? So, I think New Mexico State can can cover fifty and a half. Or is that what it is? Fifty and a half. Fifty-one and a half. Fifty-one and a half. Oh, even better. Nope, I'm taking Bama. This will be a drilling, and uh, Saban will still be upset, but they'll, they'll <laughs> win by 51 and a half. They'll cover that. Mississippi State is at Auburn. The Tigers are favored by five and a half, and I'm going to take Mississippi State. I'm, uh, I'm going against my best uh, uh, knowledge of what I should do because I, I never go with uh, – what the pirate won't, you know, don't go with that guy. But uh, but I'm going to go with Mississippi State here. I think Auburn uh, coming off a big win on, uh, last week that they'll. Uh, no, no, they lost. I mean, wait, uh, they lost. A&M. Yeah, uh, that's you know they. Doesn't matter. They're, all right, they're hurting them. They didn't impress me uh, much. You know the, the what. They, I think I think Auburn wins, but I think five and a half is a little bit too big a number. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Give me Mississippi State. Oklahoma's at Baylor. The Sooners are favored by five and a half. Um, let me let me pick. Let me pick. Go ahead. I'll go Oklahoma. I, I think that uh, you know they they. I don't know. Baylor Baylor is, is having an okay year, but they don't do do enough for me. And Oklahoma's Oklahoma's funny what they're undefeated but hadn't really won convincingly in any game. So uh but this might be the one. Give me Oklahoma. Yeah, I'm taking Oklahoma too. They're coming off the bye week and uh, uh, yeah. I think that's gonna serve them well. Uh Michigan is at Penn State. Michigan somehow is uh ahead of Michigan State now in the college football playoff rankings, even though Michigan beat them two weeks ago. Um Wolverines are Wait, fa- say that again? Michigan is ahead of Michigan State. Right, even though Michigan State won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Guys. Uh, Wolverines are favored by one and a half. I'm going to take Michigan uh, to go to Happy Valley and uh, get that one. I'll go Penn State then. Playing at home? Sounds good. Miami's at Florida State. This used to be a kind of a big game. <laughs> Wide right? Hurricanes are favored by two and a half. I'm going to take the Seminoles at home getting the points. Well, you know they're so uh, so odd that team. You know they'll which one uh, FSU and in Miami, of course, they uh, you're supposed to have a good year. Barely beat Georgia Tech last week. So, uh, but uh, let me stick with Miami. I just I just feel like FSU is such a uh, they're they're such in such a conundrum down there with uh, you know with their staff and all. It's just a weird situation. Boston College is at Georgia Tech. The Yellow Jackets are favored by one and a half. BC is coming off a home win against Virginia Tech. Georgia Tech went down to Miami. Uh, I think they lost a close one down there. Mm-hmm. 33-30, if I'm not mistaken. I'm taking the Eagles on the road. So, BC is what now? What are they? Yellow Jackets fair by one and a half. Oh, man. Yeah, I think BC is uh, is an okay team. So, I, And I don't think Georgia Tech is. So, I'm going to stick with you on that, too. Purdue is at Ohio State. Buckeyes favored by 20 and a half. Ryan, make your pick. 
Uh, man, I mean, Purdue's been kind of uh, – they've been kind of sneaking up on people this year. You would think that Ohio State would be on the lookout, but they struggled with uh, Nebraska a little bit last week. So I think Purdue can cover the 20-and-a-half, even on the road. Yeah, I'm taking bullet makers getting those points as well. South Carolina's at Missouri. Tigers are favored by a half a point in the other Columbia. That's a, that's a 4 o'clock ES, uh, SEC Network game, isn't it? I guarantee you. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know what time it is. Um, the Gamecocks coming off a uh, huge win for Shane Beamer against Florida, which fired Dan Mullen, promoted Christian Robinson. Wait, wait, wait. They fired uh, – they didn't fire Dan Mullen. Did I say Mullen? Todd Grantham. Todd Grantham. Todd Grantham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen might be fired in three weeks. Yeah, Dan Mullen had he, – he pulled the uh, I need to fire other coaches to make myself look better uh, yeah. trick. Yeah, yeah. So Christian Robinson now is your yeah, play caller that? on defense. Um, I'm taking Missouri. Uh, I think South Carolina's going to have a hangover. Really? I, I don't know. I, you know, Missouri is not good. and uh, South Carolina, I think, got a little boost last week. So give me, give me South Carolina. Texas A&M is at Ole Miss. It's the Aggies by two and a half. Um, I'm going to take Texas A&M because uh, they are – both these teams are in the fight for the SEC West still, right? Yeah. Um, although Bama's probably, you know, got the better chance. I'm going to take A&M. I think uh, they're going to they're gonna have a bounce back week. You know, they've impressed me. I mean, ever since that Alabama win, they've, they've been, you know, handling teams pretty good. And their defense last week against Auburn, I think uh, – the funny thing, Auburn's defense only allowed one touchdown and, and still uh, lost by 20 or so. So, uh, you know, I think A&M's got a pretty good team, and they're going to they're gonna really rue those early losses early in the season. But give me them to cover that. Kentucky's at Vanderbilt. The Wildcats are favored by 21.5 points. Ryan, go ahead and make your pick. UK at Vanderbilt. Uh, yeah, I just think Vandy's so bad that, that Kentucky's going to go in there and, and, and beat them pretty good. So they'll cover that 20.5 21 and a half. 21 and a half. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think Kentucky might be smarting from uh, losing at home to Tennessee kind of in the, in the, you know, shootout that they did. And 21 and a half is a big number. I think uh, Kentucky's going to win, but I think Vandy covers that. NC State's at Wake Forest. It's the Demon Deacons by one and a half. Uh, Wake Forest is coming off their first loss of the season in a non-conference game against North Carolina. Um, yeah. I think that they're going to cover. I'll take Wake Forest. Yeah, give me Wake as well. I, you know, I, I still think they're a good team uh, if they can stop anybody. So, I'll take Wake. Arkansas is at LSU. The Razorbacks are favored by two and a half as they get back into the top twenty-five of the uh, college football playoff this week. Ron, what do you, who you got? That's in Baton Rouge. Yeah. Oh man, give me LSU at home. I mean, I know they're uh, not the same LSU of a couple years ago, and they've got a lame duck head coach, but uh, they win in Alabama. Looked pretty good there, and uh, I mean Arkansas. I'm happy for Pittman, but they're not. Uh, they're not going in LSU and winning. I don't think. I will take uh, LSU as well. Notre Dame's at Virginia. Irish favored by five and a half. I'm gonna take Virginia at home, getting the points. That's uh, a that's a pretty nice number for a home team to get five and a half. Yeah, give me Notre Dame. I don't know why. All right, last one is Georgia Tennessee. The uh, the Vols are getting twenty and a half. Um, I took Georgia last week, and I took them with the points, and uh, it bit me. Actually, didn't even realize till after the game. I was like, oh, look, they covered. And I'm like, no, they didn't. They didn't cover. No, nope, they did not. Such a big number. Um, 20 and a half. Look, Tennessee's putting up points. I do think that, you know, Georgia will do a good job against them defensively. Uh, they'll, they'll get the... 
the fast pace, and I don't think they're going to give up all the big plays. Uh, but I do think that they're going to get a scare a little bit with some, um, you know, they're they're going to they're going to find the end zone a couple times. Uh, so I'm going to say Georgia was going to win. It'd probably be like a 17 point win. So I think the Vols are going to cover that number. So you don't think it would be 42-24, kind of like, uh, or I guess you do. You could see it being that uh, score, like Adam said. But I don't think 24. I don't think it's going to be that yeah. many. Maybe 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 like. Uh, I don't know, maybe like a 38 to 20 or something. Well, my thing is, I know that Georgia can stop teams. I don't know that Tennessee can. So, given that, uh, give me the defense all day. I think Georgia wins this uh, pretty good, actually. So, so you're, saying, t- you're saying Georgia covers? I say they cover. Yeah. All right. Hey, uh, leave a five-star review. Uh, just leave any review. We'll be happy with that. Uh, and it'll help uh, folks find the podcast so you can hear uh, terrific guests like Adam Sparks that we had. and uh, Yes, many others. And everyone else, too. Everyone enjoy uh, your college football weekend. and uh, If you're making the trek to Rocky Top, enjoy. Be safe. And, uh, yeah, everyone, thanks for uh, being with us, and we'll talk to you next time. So, John, question. With Auburn firing Gus Malzahn, it leaves Ed Ogeron as the SEC's only coach who has beaten Nick Saban. Who's going to be the next SEC coach to beat Saban? Well, I don't think he'll be the guy that a lot of people think he will be. Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M. I like Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. He almost beat Saban last year, and he almost beat Saban when he was at Tennessee. Fisher promised he was going to thump Saban's rump whenever Alabama comes to College Station. I think he's got a shot. He improved Texas A&M to 9-1 last year. He's got a national championship to his name. If Haynes King is the real deal, he's got an early opportunity in October to beat Nick Saban. Look at Saban's track record for losses. It's usually to a great quarterback. Cam Newton, Johnny Manziel, or Joe Burrow. Matt Corral at Ole Miss, I think, could be the best quarterback in the league. I'm Blake Topmeyer, and this is SEC Football Unfiltered, a new podcast from the USA Today Network. Each week, we'll discuss the hottest topics that matter to the passionate fan bases of the SEC. I've covered the SEC for eight years. As for my co-host, longtime sports columnist John Adams. Let's just say he's got a few decades on me. Not as many decades as some people think. Contrary to popular opinion, I did not cover General Neyland, but I did interview Bear Bryant and I interviewed Nick Saban and I covered Archie Manning and Peyton Manning. More insightful interview, John. Bear Bryant, Archie Manning, Steve Spurrier, or Johnny Majors. Gotta go with Steve Spurrier there. He's the great quipster. SEC Football Unfiltered debuts this summer. Let John and I be your tour guides from the season opener through the national championship. Subscribe and listen wherever you get your podcasts.